Thank you, choir. And your basses must really like that one. <clears throat> the Lord be with you. Let us pray. May your word, O Lord, be a lamp for our feet. And may that word also be a light for our path. Amen. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? This is my mom and dad's favorite Bible verse. It's one of mine, too. Uh, My parents both went to Pacific Lutheran Theological Seminary. In between Greek and homiletics, they researched all kinds of things like liberation, theology, pedagogy of the oppressed, and always gravitated towards social justice ministry. Dad was arrested with fellow clergy in the Bay Area for protesting apartheid in South Africa, and more than once, Mom has told me the story of how she took me to pick Dad up at jail as a result of his civil disobedience in protest of the Livermore Lab's development of nuclear weapons technology. I, I don't remember. I was teething. But my mom, she remembers it pretty well. When my sister was old enough for preschool, my mother went to work using her master's in theology in the field of domestic violence. Twenty years later, she continues to work in this field. She's good at highlighting the small print in any piece of legislation that offers financial incentive for a woman to remain in an abusive marriage. Quick to point out that violence against women and enablement of that behavior in any form is not just. The Violence Against Women Act has provided funding and transitional housing and legal protection for victims of domestic violence for over 15 years in this country. If you don't know who wrote this bill, I won't tell you, but I will tell you that that person is currently running for vice president. We were brought up with many unsung stories of justice that could have easily been eluded, uh, that, could have, that could have easily eluded children of privilege as they don't stand out in history books. The sweet honey and the rock music of my mother filled the living room, and the newspaper clippings of my father filled nearly every flat surface of the kitchen and dining room with stories of Stephen Biko, Fannie Lou Hammer, Ella Baker, Dennis Banks, and Leonard Peltier, to name a few. And books, books everywhere offered us glimpses and detailed accounts of injustice past and present with an underlying reminder that to whom much is given, much is required. In our bedtime stories, we read books about Harriet Tubman, Sojourner Truth, Crazy Horse, and Sitting Bull. When my sister and I went to the grocery store with Dad, we never got grapes. (laughs) He he explained to us the best the best he could to an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, the exploitation of migrant workers and that we could do our small part to help them by not buying these grapes. The do-justice seeds were constantly being planted. 
After 15 years of parish ministry in small rural communities of eastern Kentucky and South Whidbey Island, my dad took a job as the director of public policy for Lutheran Community Services in Seattle, a church lobbyist, I guess you could say. Um, His ministry is as an advocate for the least of those in our midst. Dad has a favorite bumper sticker. It reads, Any fool can honk. If you love Jesus, work for justice. The most recent reward he received is engraved to the Reverend Paul Benz in recognition of service, love, and compassion to those in need, presented by the NAACP. He really likes that one. What does this mean to do justice for us now? An immediate arena, in my view, is the gap between the rich and the poor. Bill Moyers, himself an ordained Baptist minister, reminded us in an interview that the gap between the rich and the poor in this country is the greatest it's been since 1929. Ominous little fact, if you think about what happened in this country in 1929 and the events of the last few weeks. I mean, if you think that's bad, look at the rest of the world. How many people live on a dollar a day while others think it's about time to get a fourth house? Is that just... That kind of canyon between the rich and the poor? I don't think so. So what do we do? Cutting taxes for the wealthiest people in America just really seemed like a bad way to fix that to me. Justice? Is that just? Giving them more money? Well, I I don't know. They did make all that money somehow, so I suppose you could argue that they're entitled to have some of it back. But what about love mercy? What about that? Is it just to ensure that our children might have clean air to breathe and the opportunity to visit the same beach as we did and learn about the polar bear as a thriving part of God's creation? Is it just to ensure this for our children? I would argue that it is. How do we do justice on this end? Snubbing the Kyoto Protocol and drilling for oil in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge seems like the wrong way to go about it. Is it just to deny someone rights that the rest of us enjoy, like employment and marriage, because of the way they're born? Absolutely not. Micah is very upset in this writing. He condemns the corruption of those who have wealth and power and oppress householder and house. What would Micah say about two men campaigning to lead the most powerful country in the world, one owns seven homes. Seven. One has a $4 million book deal. What would Micah say? Why stop there? What would Jesus say? What would Jesus say? Something about a camel and the head of a needle, and a rich man and the kingdom of heaven comes to my mind. But ultimately... We don't know for certain what Jesus would say about these things because he's not here in person. We don't know who Jesus would bomb because he's not physically here to tell us, and I don't think he'll be here for Q&A after chapel. But I really wish he would. Yes, it is hard for Christians to agree on what it means to do justice. How do we find our strongest common ground and move forward? How do we hold hands and pray when we disagree on justice? How do I say to my brother, my neighbor, I love you, but I do not agree with you. 
I do not believe this is justice. How do we do these things? I don't know. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't have these answers. But I do know that if we stop asking questions, whether it's Martin Luther asking us, what does this mean? A child asking why? Or one of our fallen heroes asking, why not? If we stop asking questions, we will never find the answers to the toughest, most important questions. If we continue to ignore the evidence earned through science and history, we will never find solutions to the worst problems we face. And our children and grandchildren will inherit problems from ancestors who once didn't know and then didn't care enough. Now that I've ranted a bit on doing justice, I'd like to share a more poetic version of what it means to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God from the play Metamorphosis, which Kevin P. Kern directed a few years ago in the forum. The story of Bacchis and Philemon. It happened that one night, Zeus, the lord of the heavens, and Hermes, her daughter, came down to earth to see what people were really like. They disguised themselves as two old beggars, stinking and poor, ragged and filthy. They knocked on a thousand doors. Hello, do you have any spare rooms? And a thousand doors were slammed on them. Hello? We're tired. We live on the street and we hope that you might oh, just I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. At last they came to a little hut on the outskirts of town. Why bother knocking here? We've knocked on houses of all kinds and the homes of people with plenty to spare. Whoever lives here obviously has nothing. Let's give it a try all the same. We've come all this way. This is hopeless. Let's just go home. Poor strangers. Philemon, there are guests at our door. Hello. We are strangers to these parts. We've lost our way and... Achaeus, why are you standing there? We must bring our guests inside. Do you know us? Of course. You do? Yes. Then who are we? Why, you are the children of God. Come in. Come in. The two immortals, satisfied that their disguises had not been seen through, entered the house, lowering their heads to fit through the door. And Bacchis fetched two pieces of cloth to pad them so the strangers might rest easy. She stirred the coals in the hearth and fanned the fire to cook them a meal. Philemon set out the embroidered cloth that they saved for feast days. He set out a plate of olives, green ones and black, and saucer of cherry plums. And then there was cabbage and some roasted eggs. For dessert, there were nuts, figs, dates, and plums, and a basket of ripe apples. Remember how apples smell? At last, with a show of modest pride, they brought out a bit of honeycomb for sweetness. Philemon poured wine from a bottle, but as he filled the glasses of the guests, he saw that the bottle remained full. And then they knew. Oh, mercy, mercy! You are divine, and we've served you such a simple meal. Achis, 
Go and kill the goose. Let it live. We are gods, and we thank you. You've done enough, more than your nasty neighbors thought to do. Suddenly, everything was changing. The poor little house, their simple cottage, was becoming grander and grander, a glittering marble-columned temple. The straw and reeds of the thatched roof metamorphosed into gold, and gates with elaborate carvings sprang up as ground gave way to marble paving stones. Old man, old woman, ask us what you will. We shall grant whatever request you make of us. Having spent all our lives together, we ask that you allow us to die at the same moment. I hate to see my wife's grave or have her weep at mine. The gods granted their wish. Arrived at a very old age together, the two stood at what had been their modest doorway and now was a grandiose facade. And Bacchis noticed her husband was beginning to put forth leaves. And he saw that she, too, was producing leaves and bark. They were turning into trees. They stood there, held each other, and called before the bark closed over their mouths. Farewell. Walking down the street at night, when you're all alone, you can still hear stirring in the intermingled branches of the trees above the ardent prayer of Bacchis and Philemon. They whisper, Let me die the moment my love dies, they whisper. Let me not outlive my own capacity to love, they whisper. Let me die still loving, and and so so never never die. die. Let Let me me die the moment my love dies. Let Let me not outlive my own capacity to love. Let Let me die still loving, and so never never die. die.